Hello everyone, welcome to episode 619 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. We are now one week away from the Cold Wave 6 Festival in Chicago. Things kick off Thursday, September 28th at the Empty Bottle with MC 900 Foot Jesus and Ghost. Friday, September 29th through Sunday, October 1st at Metro, the featured acts include Stabbing Westward, Cold Cave, Front 242, Severed Heads, KMFDM, Ogre, and more. Late night smart bar shows Friday and Saturday feature The Gossicals, Curse Mackey, Bombardier, and End User. For ticket links and the full lineup, head to coldwaves.net. On this episode, we're chatting with Saturday Metro performer Tom Shear. This is Assemblage 23. Thank you. 
I got interested in uh, electronic music at a pretty uh, early age and, and was particularly interested in uh, synths. So I eventually ran my first year in high school. I had saved up enough to, uh, to buy my first synth and started learning how to use it and recording and making music and writing songs. By the time 1988 came around, I was uh, doing my first music that would kind of be Assemblage 23. It wasn't really until uh, I was in college that I got more serious about it. Um, prior to that, it, it had really just been kind of a hobby thing. And I, you know, I traded tapes with other people and stuff like that, but it never, I didn't have any ambitions beyond that at the time. But as, as I got more serious about it and um, started letting more people hear it, people were saying, this is really good. You should send this to a label. And that ended up being a 10 year process of sending out, uh, demos to labels and it was bad timing more than anything because at that time um you know the in the u.s the guitar oriented industrial stuff was what was hot and what the labels were signing around 1998 i was almost about ready to give up trying to get signed to a label and i sent somebody tipped me off said hey you should send to this canadian label gashed and uh, i i sent them uh, a demo and it turned out they were uh, interested. He ended up hooking us up with uh, our old European label, Accession Records. Um, I put out two records on Gashed and um, decided that if we were going to grow as a band, I needed a label that had more resources. Gashed was basically one guy. So I left Gashed and went to Metropolis. You know, they had the infrastructure and the experience to to help us kind of boost the band even further. And uh, this last fall, I released my eighth studio album called Adore. You just got back from Terminus. Tell me how that went. It, it's really one of my favorite festivals to play because it really has a very unique um, sort of feel to it. It's a, a smaller venue than a lot of festivals, so it's more intimate. And there's also this real um, kind of community slash family feeling about it that I don't get from other uh, festivals. Um, everybody seems to know everybody. Everyone's real cool and uh, and gets along. And it, the lineup is always amazing. It's always a mix of like you know whoever the hot bands are at the moment and some up and comers that people might not have heard of. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. I, I I recommend it to anybody. And one of the really cool things about it too is, um, you know, especially as a performer, is the audiences there are always awesome. Like from the very first band to go on to the headliner, um, you know, there's an enthusiastic crowd there, um, you know, really, really getting into it. So it's it's a it's a great great place to uh, perform as well. So let's talk a little bit more about Endure. So Endure uh, was the last album you put out. You used Indiegogo to raise the funds, and that. You know, you mentioned in that that, you know, the, the album's going to be made whether you make uh, a lot of money or a little money, but it looked like you, you raised nearly 700% of your target. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that must have been a really good feeling to have such a, a good response from from your fans. Uh, I wanted to talk about using that as a method. Uh, what do you see as the, as the pros of that? And what do you see as the cons of using it? I, I was thinking a good thing is that it might help you with your uh, knowing how many physical copies you want to press and things like that. But but tell me what else you were thinking when when you go about that route. 
Well, um, to touch on something you, you just mentioned, um, I, I did a, uh, a crowdfunding uh, campaign for my side project surveillance before I did the A23 one. And um, it's exactly what you said. That, that's the whole reason I, I tried it was because I wanted to gauge if there was enough interest in this album for me to finish it off. And um, it was a, it was a good indicator that there was interest. Um, and likewise, if it had done poorly, then you know I, I wouldn't have ended up with a, a garage full of uh, unsold CDs. So it, it's a good way to gauge interest. It's a good way to offer your fans special experiences or items that they can't get otherwise. Um, and that's you know that's easier for more established bands, I think. You know, bands that are getting started I may have a harder time with that kind of stuff. But the cons, it was kind of a double-edged sword. The, the, the campaign did extremely well, but it did well beyond my expectations on several orders of magnitude. And it was a lot of work. And I'm, I'm, there are still perks that I'm fulfilling now, some of the um, uh, remixes and stuff like that. So it, it took me a tremendous amount of time uh, to get all the packages out. I mean, it was something like eight or nine hundred packages. You know, each one you got to figure out, make sure the person gets the right size shirt and the right shirt design. So um, it's very time consuming if, if it does well. And if you're not an organized person, it'll be a nightmare. Like you, you need to have an Excel spreadsheet to kind of keep track of everything and um, and make sure that every, everybody gets taken care of. The, the music industry has changed a lot, so I think musicians need to experiment with different methods of releasing their material and, you know, have, having their fans support them. You know, our last one was was successful beyond what I could have ever imagined. Do you think you'll be going that route again when you work on your next album, or was that just something you were trying out for for Endure? I doubt I'll do it again. If I did do it again, I would have to enlist, you know, a, a professional uh, fulfillment company, um, and I don't know what that what costs are involved with that. But you know, it's it's too much for one guy um, to do on his own in a in a timely manner. I. Probably not, but, um, you know, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it.
So you mentioned your other side project, Surveillance. Tell me more about that for anyone who might not know about that one. So uh, Surveillance is more towards the harder edge EBM um, style stuff. It's still got melody, but you know it's, it's more of an EBM uh, influence. The lyrical themes are, I mean, the, the name of the album is Oceania. So it's, you know, very Orwellian and, and dystopian, which um, at the time I did the first album was kind of like in a science fiction way. Um, but it comes across much differently now, you know, given our present circumstances than it did when I wrote it. A lot of dystopias are coming true now. It's not, it's not so funny anymore. It's more fun to read about than it is to live it. That's for sure. You've also done some um, video game soundtrack work. Tell me about that. I've done some, like some. Uh, this was many, many years ago. A friend of mine uh, partnered up, and we did some game music for some sort of casual games um, in the PC market. Later on, he launched his own company to develop a video game called V Next, and he hired me to do the music for that. And unfortunately, he ran out of money. Um, and the project is shelved. I may release the music at some point, but because game music is usually composed of, you know, sort of looped sections, um, it, it's not like a traditional uh, kind of song. So I have to, would have to figure out how to structure it in a way that would be listenable as music. But uh, yeah, that unfortunately fell through. But I, he's he's a he's a really smart guy and he's uh, very driven and I have no doubt that he'll, whatever his next project is, will be successful. I feel like that's a, that's a thing that a, a lot of other bands have tried. How do you see the, the two sort of working together? It, it, I mean, it's, it's different. Like it, I think soundtrack work lends itself. I think people who uh, make, you know, quote unquote industrial music are probably more suited for making game music than people who aren't because they are they're already coming from an experimental um mindset you know as far as sound design and and um, composition goes it's but it's it, it is a very different thing in that you're in a song you're trying to get the listener's attention with a hook and you know a, a lyric that sticks in their head and draws attention to itself Whereas with most soundtrack music, it's supplemental to what's happening uh, in the game world. You don't necessarily want people to explicitly notice it. You want it to be there to um, to enhance the mood and kind of give cues to the player as to how they're supposed to be feeling. So they're very di- like they're similar processes, but to different ends. Endure's been out for a little while. Uh, I was asking you a, a little briefly about uh, what's next. Are you working on a new album? Or are, you, are you doing some touring? Are you taking uh, a break? Um, I, I haven't really started on the new album yet. I'm working on some side project stuff at the moment. But I'm already, already thinking about it and what direction it's going to go and, and what it's going to sound like. And I'm pretty eager to, uh, to get back to it. But yeah, this year we've been doing a lot of... Um, touring both uh, one-offs and um, we did a, a tour of a uh, short tour of Europe uh, in the spring. So it's been a little bit of everything. You know, I'm doing remix and production work. I'm writing new stuff, um, DJing and, and playing live and that sort of thing. So it's just kind of a juggling act.
Damn it. 
On this episode, you heard Call the Dawn, The Noise Inside My Head, and The Cruelest Year. Assemblage 23 can be found at assemblage23.com. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us later this week for our final episode of the season as we chat with Sean Payne from Cyanotic. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Vaughn Chicago musician, and soundman Jamie Duffy. Here's a message board post by Jamie entitled, Our First Van or Life on a Typical Acumen Tour by James P. McDuff. A few years ago, 1996 I think, we, Acumen, decided to buy a van for touring because as we learned on our first tour, renting vehicles is expensive. Ethan found us a van for $1,000 from a local band called Birds at the End of the Road. They had built a loft in it and it was ready for the road. They assured us that they had used it regionally and they never had any problems. We took it to a friendly mechanic, he checked it out, a new fuel pump and a tune-up, and we're off. Everything was fine for the first week until we reached New York. The brakes were beginning to squeak loudly, so we decided we'd take it in when we reached Albany. Upon arrival at the Midas shop, the ball joint thingy in the front end fell to pieces. Good thing it didn't happen while driving. Fix that and the brakes. We're off. Till Houston. Driving towards Houston on a Sunday afternoon. Stop and get gas. 30 minutes later. Why does the fuel gauge say half a tank? Do you smell gas? Our fuel line was leaking rapidly, spraying everywhere, eroding the undercoat from the front wheel well, leaving a huge black smear along the side of the van similar to the burn marks Apollo 13 received upon re-entry. We luckily found a car dealer with a shop that was open at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon, a couple clamps and some tubing, and we're off, until El Paso. Driving into El Paso, stop at Arby's. Why is water pouring out of the engine? Fuck! We made it to the club we were playing, the attic, and when a couple of the employees arrived, they told us that we had a bad water pump and they knew a guy who had a parts store. After the show, they took us to a church where one of the guys was the maintenance man. They fixed our van for $50 while we ran through the church playing the drums and the pipe organ and making breakfast. Those guys saved our sorry asses. And we're off. Until Phoenix. We had a day off, so we drove into the mountains where there was a lake. We, us, and our fellow tourmates crawl, took a bunch of mushrooms that we bought from the scumbag named Travis that we had met on the streets in New York. We spent all day waiting for the shrooms to kick in, but that never happened, so we finally left. But our engine kept dying. We jump-started, but no. We towed our van with this huge chain from the roadies' dogs to a gas station. We found a late-night parts store, and I put the new alternator in using the shitty tools we brought with us, just in case. Yeah, we're off again until san francisco we were leaving san fran late at night when jason decided he wanted mcdonald's mcd's was closed go to start the van grind bad starter we waited till morning jason and i went to the parts store as soon as it opened i then replaced the starter in ronald's parking lot what else can happen the tour is almost done two more shows and we're off to salt lake city until Pez is driving. We're hoping the crap is behind us. Then the engine starts making this noise that none of us has ever heard before. The van will not accelerate. Pull over. Transmission fluid running all over the ground. We get towed to the nearest town. Battle Mountain, Nevada. We wait for a couple days while the mechanic, who is banned from the local whorehouse, 
put in a used tranny in our van for $500. We played nickel poker and a chicken fried steak while we waited. We finally left and we were headed towards home. Until, two hours out of Battle Mountain, transmission fluid and smoke everywhere. We made it to a truck stop and called this asshole and told us to bring us our $500. We were so fed up that we sold him the van for another $500. We rented a U-Haul and drove 28 hours straight at 70 miles an hour to Champaign, Illinois, where we played in another church, and then we went home until... No, that's it. The end.